Hello, and welcome to Decoded, Brave Conversations with LCW. I'm your host, Larry Baker, and I use he, him pronouns. For those of you that are unfamiliar with LCW, we are a global DE&I training, consulting, and translation firm that partners with organizations to develop mindsets, skills, and systems to succeed in a culturally diverse world. This season, we're unpacking coded language in the workplace. Coded language refers to phrases that could be potentially masking bias or quips that may have unintended negative impact. Each episode, we'll discuss the real meaning and the implications of a new coded phrase, how it connects to larger systemic issues, and then here's some personal stories and some tips to help us notice and call in bias. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Brave Conversations Live with LCW. I am your host, Larry Baker, and I use the pronouns he and him, and I am absolutely thrilled to welcome you to this episode of our live stream series. Each month, we will be making space for timely and important conversations that we hope will help educate, generate discussion, and help you to take actionable items back to your organizations and to your daily lives. For those of you that are not familiar with LCW or Language and Culture Worldwide, we are a global DE&I training, consulting, and translation firm that partners with organizations to develop global mindsets and help you develop your skills and systems to succeed in a continually changing, culturally diverse world. And I am super excited today to talk about this conversation, woke or broke, and I am equally excited to have as my guest, Dr. Harry Petaway, who I know is going to add. He is the executive director of Equity Communities of Practice. Welcome to this episode. I am going to let you introduce yourself before we hop into our conversation. So Dr. Harry, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, Larry, and thanks thanks for having me. Thanks for the people at LCW. Love it, love it. Um, my name is Dr. Harry Petaway. I'm the Executive Director for Equity Communities of Practice. And what that is, it's a virtual community where we try to bring cross-disciplinary professionals together. I'm gonna say a hack session and try to hack out some of these tough problems that we have today, I, I, I lean towards health equity, public health equity, and DEI falls under that. And the idea, just to give you some perspective on that, is that um, sometimes we tend to talk to ourselves, meaning that, you know, we end up in a social media loop, loop where DEI people talk to DEI people. And what mm -hmm. I'm trying to do is bring um, bankers, finance together with educators, together yeah. with healthcare professionals, those type of things. So it's, it's exciting to be here, especially with this topic, yeah. <laughs> you know, giggling a little bit, <laughs> as you say, yeah. but uh, it, it's, it's a good one. Absolutely, Dr. Harry, because I know we've had conversations about this in the past, which is the main reason why I wanted to bring you in on this conversation. So a, a little bit of backdrop before we get into the heart of the matter. We know that it's been three years since we saw organizations make a wave of promises and commitment to their uh, Black employees following the racial reckoning of 2020. So what's changed? Have these commitments converted to action? What do we do when it feels like performative policy is replacing positive transformation? So we wanna know, are organizations' commitments to their black employees woke or are they really broke or have they already broken some of those commitments? So that's really going to be where we center our conversation and Dr. Harry, I want to just start off by asking you, uh, we're going to start slow and then we're going to get deep into this, right? So I want to know from your perspective, 
what were some of the most significant company commitments that were made over the last three years and how have those actions compared to their promises? Yeah. It, and, and I love that question. If I could, let me talk about woke for a minute and, and what that were, or just for a second, you know, I, I had to Google it because, you know, it's a term. And when I say Google it, I wanted to, to research where, where the word came from, you know, it's, it's got mm-hmm. um, history back from the 1940s. And in general, it's, it's, it's an awareness of political and social issues. That's how right. it starts. Some oftentimes leaning towards uh, racial inequities or social justice issues, but in general, it is it does have to do with um, an awareness of social issues. And and why I wanted to bring that up is because woke kind of gets a bad rap. It's it's taking on um, new definitions, but it's it's acknowledged by the Oxford Dic- Dictionary, um, a few others. Uh, so woke is an okay thing. Is <laughs> is where it was where I, I want to start. I want to make woke great again. But yes. some of the significant company commitments. And, and it was interesting because I went to try to find an end all be all inclusive list of, you know, what were, you know, some of these things that people talked about and there mm-hmm. is no end all be all list. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and so um, three years ago, what was interesting is that a lot of those commitments, I mean, they were not to play on words, but they were bold. I mean, everybody had to come out with something and it had to do with two things. We are going to focus on social and racial equity or social justice. Right. That's that's a one big one with how do you how do you deal with that? And then the other had to do with we're going to clean up our house internally. Mm. And that's where. Um, things get a little bit, a little bit tricky because I think that that second part about cleaning up internally, I think it had different meanings for different people. Mm -hmm. Um, What that may have meant for me as a black employee at a major corporation might be entirely different than the process that they went through, you know, as an organization, Right. And, and whether I felt that and they felt they they followed through with the commitments towards me as an individual, especially as we talk about um, diversity and inclusion, this idea of belonging. Who am I as an individual? Am I included? Yeah. I, I suspect a lot of that piece for the individual employees um, didn't really come to fruition. What you saw were things like a commitment towards supplier diversity. Right. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I like to call brown faces and spaces, mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning that we're going to hire as many people of color as we can um, because, uh, you know, you you can see it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that, that people can see. But again, did it did it really help the employees right. that, mm-hmm. were, that, that, were, that were already there? Um, I don't know. But we did see a significant contribution in dollars spent outside of the company. I think mm-hmm. 2020, it was 50, 50, 60 billion or so. And now it's somewhere around the 360 billion. Mm-hmm. The challenge is where that money is actually Paid going. Or where it's going well, to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where it's going. Yeah. And I absolutely uh, echo a lot of those comments because, you know, having the privilege of working with a lot of organizations their commitment was really about driving awareness, right? And we were absolutely uh, seeing a lot of those organizations committing the awareness. But to your point, how is it ultimately impacting those Black employees in those organizations? What I started to see a little bit was a disconnect in regards to Okay, so now we have this awareness. What do I do with it? What am I expected to do with it? How, how am I going to be held accountable for doing something with this awareness? And I think that that's the piece that started to wane over the last three years, right? So now that they've had this awareness phase, what's the, what's the accountability phase? And I think that that's the part where I'm interested in and I don't see a lot of those connections. And I'm concerned that we might be missing that mark to have that impact that you were talking about earlier, as opposed to having brown faces in places 
is it actually impacting those soldiers that are in the battle in those organizations? And that's the part where I feel like, okay, so where's that promise that's being kept, right? So that kind of leads me into my next question I want you to focus in on, Dr. Harry is, so in your opinion, what do you think is different? Because I know that there have been some differences, but what do you think is different now than three years ago? And then more importantly, what's the same? Because it goes to that adage that many of us in the black community understand all too well. We take two steps forward, but then we take five steps back. So I'd like to get some of your insights on what do you think is different from three years ago and what's the same? And that's, um, it's a great question. So what is different? And we might get into this a little bit um, later. I, if, if we go back to the first question with this awareness, it had to do with, you know, how are they getting their data? Like how are the organizations getting their data? And they were doing things like, you know, surveys, employee surveys and, and, and things like that. And there was also a big push um, to ramp up marketing and include um, different people, shapes, sizes, abilities, you know, on, on the Web page. And in that time period, what you had were um, an assessment of how people of color felt at work today. Right. And then some kind of plan that, that went along with that. But recruiting more people, we're going to recruit some people in there. So yeah. um, the the thing that's different right now is that I, I think that some of these uh, diversity supplier initiatives, you know, they're in place there. You know, there's there's some funding related to that. Um, some of the connections, this one, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this one, but like some of the connections in terms of recruiting, and I'm specifically talking about black employees, right? So mm -hmm. we're going to reach out and create alliances with HBCUs or relationships right. with, with, with them. Now, what was interesting for me is that I didn't come from an HBCU. So, Neither did I. Um, and I'm not. I'm not saying that that's a bad idea, but again, me sitting in those spaces, like, well, we're, you know, who do you know at HBCU? I'm like, I, I went to Western Michigan University, go Broncos, right? right? I, I right. don't know. Um, but you do have some of those relationships that the level of awareness from um, consumers with, you know, to, to the products and services that are provided is, is much higher than it was before in terms of what are you doing for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now this one, it will probably, I don't want to say piss people off, but they, they, it might not feel good with what I'm going to say, but there was a point to where, and I'm going to say it maybe what's 30 days where this issue was a black social justice issue, specifically right. surrounding George Floyd. Mm -hmm. These promises were made about black issues, be they employment or otherwise. And it quickly became more. everyone else. Yep. And that is not a bad thing because, you know, within, I, I think one of the positives within the black community is that it did kind of force us to say, well, we're not just black. There's, there's other things about us that make us who we are, our perspectives, all of it, you know, yeah. orientation, um, family status, education level, all of that. We are, we are more than just the color of our skin, but right. what is different is the focus on everything else. Mm -hmm. And I question, you know, coming from, you know, public administration, it's a political degree, right? And this, it's this idea of if, how do we focus on this if we have to focus on everything exactly. else? Exactly. Um, now, what's the same? I think the uh, turnover for, well, what's different? I think the turnover for black employees is higher. Than it, mm -hmm. than it used to be. They they are more apt to go and look for uh, other places. Now, some of that, I think some organizations are catfishing a little bit, meaning that they're putting, you know, we'll get into woke washing in a, in a bit, but, yeah. you know, they're they're putting up some, some significant marketing <laughs> efforts in terms of saying, like, come to us. Right. We're inclusive. We're diverse. Yeah. And so employees are leaving. Black employees are leaving, going to these other organizations. Other black employees are coming into these organizations. What they find out is that it's it's either same. the same or worse. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. It's it's the yeah. same. The the yeah. processes are still the same. The mentoring 
programs are are not there. The coaching yeah. programs are not at that level. But one yeah. more thing that I think is different, significantly different from three years ago, and I'm not, not trying to say that there were not employee resource groups mm-hmm. before, but I'm going to tell you they blew up, they especially oh my they God. blew up, yes, especially for black employee resource groups. And it's not just, it's no longer an affinity group about like, this is how we feel, right? Meaning right. like, I, I need my support network. Their, their leadership growth and, and self teaching is significant. And I think yeah. that's a major factor in what's different between now and, and three years ago. Yeah. So in, in my perspective, again, because again, I'm working with organizations and I think the biggest thing that's different than three years ago is that folks have been given spaces to talk about these things, right? I think that they have been allowed to say, this isn't cool. I don't think that this is going in the right direction. And they've had the space to do that. But if I'm honest, what's the same is the backlash, right? Because now that the opportunity to talk about it has been presented, it's almost as if it's this catch-22. So if I do talk about it, what are my consequences? And I think that's what's the same, is that before I couldn't even talk about it and there were consequences. Now... I'm allowed to talk about it, and it seems like the consequences are even more severe, right? I'm even more likely to be viewed as difficult to work with or aggressive or I'm not a cultural fit or things of that nature than before, right? It's just more pervasive because now because the the door has been open to have conversations that make people feel uncomfortable, now when they're feeling uncomfortable, the retaliation seems to be even more intense, which is this whole woke, uh, this backlash on woke, right? It's like, oh my goodness, we have to stop this woke phenomenon because I'm really, really uncomfortable. I even saw something the other day where some some individual was like, I can't even enjoy breakfast anymore because I'm using one my syrup bottle. Really? That's why you're against cultures getting woke? <laughs> Right, such insignificant in their life, but they want to down the company for making a decision that has such a positive impact on an entire community. So, going into that narrative, I want you to dig into talking about what is diversity washing or woke washing, and what's the impact of having just uh, purely performative commitments or purely performative types of policy. So talk to me about diversity washing or woke washing first. Let me, let me talk to you about, I want to talk about something that you said about the backlash also. It's, it is, it's reflective of society yep. in general and Agreed. how the media and social media plays out. And unfortunately, we are in a space where the loudest voices win on whichever corner of the world you want to perspective you want to you want to look at and so we do have uh one of the things you know if we were to go back and say one of the things that are are different like if i'm talking about black issues someone's going to come in and want me to talk about things like inclusive language and we're going to debate on if you know jumping the gun is of is violent or not and i'm like well it's a track reference no but we we shouldn't have it and we do get we get caught up in some of those I don't want to call them less significant, but they have they had the tendency to derail us. So we, we get caught up in some conversations to where like we, we have to we have to acknowledge that for some people, as soon as I said something comes out of my mouth. Oh, well, I saw on TV that, mm-hmm. that this is what diversity means and this is what woke means. So I'm not, I'm not having any of it. And so right. that that's that's I would say it's a leadership thing. And if really if leaders were dealing with that and dealing with emotional intelligence and how to communicate with other people, we probably wouldn't be having half of these conversations right now. Agreed. Anyway. So what is diversity washing um, and, or, or woke washing? And it's similar to what I said before in terms of organizations go out of their way 
to appear that they are socially conscious or um, you know doing the right thing in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the first wave of that was you know brown faces and spaces. Let's get them in here so we can say, look, mm-hmm. our numbers went up. Um, sometimes those might not be brown faces. They might be all women, right? Let's, let's promote, promote the women in the organization. And that is not a bad thing. So whoever's watching this, I'm not saying that that is a bad thing, but that is not a, that is not a racial equity issue, but woke washing in general is putting out the perception that the company is more, uh, in tune with diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives and is doing more in society and internally than they actually are. And I think part of this is the catch-22 with marketing. You know, if I am if I am an employee, a black employee, and I'm looking for somewhere else to go, I'm, I'm going to look at the webpage. And if the webpage doesn't look inclusive, if there's not people like me, I'm, I might not click on that. Same thing, though, if I'm looking to buy products, and this is where it gets tricky in terms of the business case for diversity, if I'm looking to buy products, the marketing department has to, they have to appeal to different groups, you know, whether they be black, mm-hmm. um, LGBTQ abilities, you know, all, we, we can go through it. But that ends up being this catfishing type of scenario where you get into an organization and, it, and they don't do what they, they say that it doesn't. They don't do what it appears that they're doing. Same thing with investors. And investors are looking at, you know, where should we put our money? So they're yeah. looking at the web pages. They're looking at these metrics. But, you know, you talk to the employees. How's it really going down there in XYZ companies? Like, well, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Dr. Harry, you, you bring up one of my uh, pet peeves in this space of DE&I work because I have a huge problem with organizations tying DEI work or DEI initiatives to the bottom line and their mindset of we can't do this work because it's not profitable. We need to have the mindset of it needs to be done because it needs to be done because it's the right thing to do. And I think that that's always been a struggle for me for organizations to always say, okay, well, tie this into the bottom line, tie this into how it's going to make me profitable. Well, if I can't do that, does that mean you're not going to do it? And I think it has to be more of that conversation that you have responsibilities outside of profitability that impact society as a whole, if that makes sense. So I did want to open it up to see if anybody else has any insight that's on the call to what you've heard woke washing is or what it looks like or diversity washing or any types of examples of that in your experience and i will let um i will let uh my folks in the background who are monitoring the chat um say that so um we'll go ahead and wait for individuals to submit that and Dr. Harry will continue to have our conversation. Uh, but you did mention something that I, I thought was really interesting. You said that the loudest, sometimes it's the loudest voices in the room. And for me, I don't even think it's the loudest voices. I think it's just the voices that stand up, right? Mm, yeah. Because the yeah. reality is there are so, there are, Far more people that disagree with the loudest voices in the room, they just don't say anything, right? Because they know that there is this social capital that's at stake if I rock the boat, if I appear to be sympathetic to a cause that's not the cause of my affinity group and all of my homogeneous relationships say are valuable. So it's not necessarily the loudest in the room. It's just the one that's that's not afraid to start the ruckus, if you will. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. It, it it might be the boldest. You know, like I, I had this conversation last week. Um, I did a I did a a live stream about you know black shaming or when we shame each other for oh yeah you know not acting the way 
that we expect someone else to do. And the right. challenge becomes how can – it's difficult at times for me to – you weigh that social capital, right? You weigh that capital like do I disagree with this person that in mm-hmm. theory is aligned with me mm-hmm. and because who does that give fodder to? I'm looking at the thing. I hadn't heard of woke washing before, but I've definitely seen it. I, <laughs> See, you're welcome. So we, I, we've already provided that awareness, which is definitely part of it, but it's a real thing. Thank you for that comment, Shana. I, I think it was Cher Jones that called it um, kind of corporate catfishing. It wasn't specifically about woke washing, but it was presenting something that was not, you know, once you actually got into it, 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 it wasn't what, what you thought. Yeah. Um, but back to what I was saying, you know, it's difficult to to sometimes have varying degrees of dissenting opinions, you know, with another black person yeah. about things. And, the, and another challenge is when you have, um, you know, your white allies that speak on behalf of you because they've heard something from a black person that's not necessarily uh, the case. You brought up something that was interesting to me about, you know, this idea of, of why is it tied to the bottom line? Mm-hmm. And we can't do this, because, you know, unless it's tied to the bottom line. I think it's a fundamental. This is this is me. I'm 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 talking. This is a point of view issue. When you look at, you know, advanced DEI strategies, they have to do with things like emotional intelligence, communication, inclusion, belonging. Right? Those are advanced leadership. Yes. Strategies. Right. Yeah. What I think happens in the DEI space is that it becomes a space and it becomes a bucket to whereas we, we should be talking about leadership. It becomes DEI. Well, you know, you just paid for everyone to take this Franklin Covey course and this emotional intelligence course. Like, why can't we expand that? And why can't we have that kind of conversation? Your market, if you're selling a product and that's Mm -hmm. the funny thing about three, you know, when we look at three years ago, I think everybody said, Oh, there's a lot of other people out there that want things. You know, whether they're boycotting Nike or whatever else, let's appeal to them. You see it in the Super Bowl, right? They That's where it starts to add to the bottom line. So it's not necessarily like it's all over. It's dispersed throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I think that challenges me a bit is this idea that the people that are saying like, unless it, they're not DEI professionals that are making this call. And oftentimes the people that are hiring the DEI professionals are hiring off the mark. Like they, like they don't even know what they're hiring oh, yeah. for. And so they get varying different degrees and perspectives of, of things, which is of course why I do like LCW. Cause y'all are on <laughs> y'all are, on, I don't even think that you claim DEI like that, but uh, um, you're, you're on target with that. So I appreciate yeah, it. Here's yeah. A, so I see a familiar face in the place, Dr. Eric. I think you are very familiar with this incredible individual. Tahisha, thank you so much. Thinking from a business perspective to not talk ROA makes DEI seems like it's just optional. This type of separation of financial value has been used to de-emphasize the need for things like education. I agree 100%. And it always becomes the first thing that we cut, right? Because if we look at it as being optional, Anybody that's running, not even just the business, in your own household, when it's time to tighten up the the bootstraps or what have you, those things that are viewed as optional are typically the first ones you pick away, right? But you have to resist that temptation because that's always what's been done. And, And for our community especially, it's almost as if we are sitting back waiting for that, for the shoe to drop. Like, okay, they're pretty, they're pretty gung-ho about this in 2020. Uh, let's see how it goes in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> let's see 2025. Do we still have this fire? And unfortunately, it's the same result, right? We're seeing it. It's starting to wane. It's starting to kind of slow down. It's like, okay, I think we've I think we've gotten beyond the the the, the intensity that this has. So let's start just pulling away, pulling away, uh, and using that ROI as the scapegoat for doing that. So when we talk about different commitments, what what did you expect, Dr. Harry, from what do you expect Ooh. those commitments to look like? You know, 
when when in 2020 I was with an organization, so I can only speak for you know what what I thought we were looking for, and it was it was kind of comprehensive. There was a social responsibility piece that was to that, that was with it, meaning like we want to see this type of investment, either time or money, in the community. There was also this um, human development component to it because at the time I feel like we were being heard, but like mm-hmm. everyone was being heard because like oh we better listen, they're upset. Right. And I'm not right. trying to be funny, but really we better listen, they're upset. I was expecting more career development, mentoring for the people that that were joining and starting to speak their truth because they quickly left. We want this posted on our web page about George Floyd. It left that quick, you know, and it mm-hmm. went to, well, here's, here's what our, our experiences are. And when I actually, when I was doing some research for this, um, that's one of the things that, that are still missing, meaning yeah. that um, for some of the positions, you know, you don't see a lot of black employees in the higher ranks of management Yes. And when you look at coaching and executive coaching, it's up here. It's not in this developmental phase, which is why I'm so excited about what ERG, the employee resource groups are doing right now, because they are learning how businesses work, how to yeah. navigate the political components of it and how to lead and work with each other. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's, that's pretty significant. But one thing I do want to say is that, And I believe this. If you fix something or create something for a marginalized group of people, so we're going to say black people. So if if we want a mentorship program or coaching program for black people, you have to then question, is there one for everybody else? Right. Like like, like it's almost like, is it if then and if there's not, then you need to make one. Right. And if you have one and you can recognize whatever the gaps are and the failures between uh, or, or not failures, but, you know, the, the missed opportunities for black employees to, to engage in that, all you're going to do is make the program better for everybody else. So this idea like, oh, we can't, you know, we can't do this. I'm like, I, it's, again, it goes back to a leadership yeah. issue for me. So I, I was expecting or wanting more to develop the people at the organizations where they were instead of this idea like, hey, we just need to bring in more people and let them all leave. Yeah. Because they're, they're talking too much. Let's let them yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dr. Harry, there was a comment. And can we bring that comment back up on the screen? Because honestly, I that organizations was going to do. And I didn't get the individual's name. Uh, she said that a lot of organizations made the commitment, but neglected to integrate a strategic plan for providing those resources, personnel support, ongoing education and training, engagement and professional development. And honestly, that's what I thought those commitments yeah. meant, right? Because I'm in this space, because I'm in this field, that's what I thought we were going to be discussing. We were going to be talking about the plans. We were going to be talking about the resources. We were going to be saying, all right, so once we get these programs together, boom, here's how we make this work in our culture. And in a lot of situations, that's not happening. And in our community, we know when it isn't, when it's woke washing, right? We know that you have the outside of the house looking so beautiful and spotless, but then you come in to a hoarder's home on the inside. And I think that that's the connection that we absolutely need to continue to push organizations to do. Have a strategic plan so that when you have individuals attending these sessions, they know how it fits into the big picture. If not, it's just a, it, it's just checking the box. And, and we all have been there and we all know uh, what that looks like and what that feels like. Now, Dr. Harry, I love to give our listeners some actionable tools. So I want to get your insight onto this uh, question. And, and then maybe we'll open it up to some more comments to the audience. But from your opinion, what does that authentic action look like? Or in other words, how do we move past the commitment into action. So give me your thoughts around that. 
it's and hopefully I don't I don't make it too complicated. One, I think we need to have more current pulse checks on um, what life is like for employees today. All employees, black included, I meaning like we can't go off of the 2020 survey that we did because most of those people are gone, especially people of color. And I'm, I'm just I'm gonna be blunt with that. The other piece of that is that I feel that we should be partnering, we in the DEI community, partnering with the learning and workforce development component, talent management components of these organizations to find ways on how we connect principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion with things that are already in play, right? So it's not, I don't think it's too hard to modify an existing emotional intelligence course to right. then include issues with bias and race and, and, and things like that. I, I think that that's an easy, low-hanging opportunity if people just want to do it. You know, it's like it's not too hard. Yeah. Um, the other piece of that, when we talk about professional development, I'm going I'm to backstep a minute. I think that miss was a miss for all employees. And the reason why I think it was a significant miss is because I don't think that a lot of organizations have a culture of professional development. Mm. So when when black employees said, hey, we want to be a part of this. And I think my camera froze. But as, as yeah. black employees said, hey. Hey, we want I'll keep talking so it, so it doesn't shut off my. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, we want to be a part of this. There was nothing to be a part of. Right. Right. So that there was no professional development piece. So so create one. <laughs> you know, yeah. build one, work on your succession planning, you know, no, no matter, no matter where it is. It's just, it's just fundamental to me, business and organizational strategy that we, we don't need to call it DEI. If, mm. if, if it's hurting, if it's hurting, you know, whoever in the corner office or the corner cubicle over there, because somebody said DEI and, you know, they think it's because they're not allowed to, you know, use these words or whatever anymore. Call it something else. I really don't care as long as long as it gets it gets done. The the last piece of that is has to do with when you said uh, it's a check the box, and we need to revisit then how we check the box. Mm -hmm. And so if it's a check the box, if it's a compliant initiative, then you somehow you need to slap people in the face with something that's valuable. And yeah. I and I don't mean slap in the face in a way of forcing opinions and ideologies on someone or making, you know, making people feel bad for their privilege. I'm, I'm not really a, about that, but what yeah. I, what I think that we can do is start to revisit some of these vendors that are offering check the box type of courses and, 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 and tools and say, we need more and, and bring in consultants like yourself or facilitators like yourself and coaches like yourself to, to, to really do more with, with, with some of the tools that are out there. Yeah. Dr. Harry, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm really resonating with what you said. And uh, I have to read this comment from one of my most favorite people in the entire universe, uh, Cecilia Hurt. She said, it's so important to dual path our efforts. As we seek to increase representation, including recruiting efforts, we must also seek to support the culture shift and journey to make sure that these environments are supportive and psychologically safe for the employees we are attracting and retaining. And of course, hand clap, finger snaps, you are right <laughs> on the money with that, Cecilia, but that doesn't surprise me. And I also, want to give a little credit, right? Because I do feel that these statements of solidarity are important, but they need to understand that, look, this is just the starting point. You are literally at this critical juncture as a nation, and this moment simply demands more. So a couple of things, and you've touched upon it, Dr. Eric. It's all about prioritizing and assessing your corporate accountability, because just putting on these programs without expecting people to do something different, we are missing the mark. OK, so we have to prioritize and assess the corporate accountability. Then 
there has to be this commitment to really evolve the corporate structure. We have to make steps that people can actually see, oh, wait, this is different. Things are changing and we have to move in that direction. And then let the employees have a say, right? Let them have more ability to drive the culture that you're looking to accomplish. So yes, I think that there are there, there are a lot of these good steps that we've already been talking about, but those are critical. You gotta have that accountability. You gotta start to uh, have that structure evolve in a way that people sense it and feel it, and then bring them into this process as well, right? Yeah. So Dr. Harry, I know we've talked about this phrase and you said it a little bit earlier and i'm not gonna steal it so i'm just gonna let you use it but give me some insight on that statement that you said that you told me i couldn't steal from you which was the make will great again absolutely <laughs> make well well okay so wait but before before i do this though the, i think that there is a gap that we have to acknowledge as as professionals in, in the dei space health equity space whatever it is that and and it, the the last comment that came up really triggered it for me. This idea of psychological safety that is something that is different than three years ago. This idea that my mental health and well being matters, especially for yes. Black people. Like there's been more about that, especially in the professional space. More Black um, employees have left to create their own businesses. That that mm -hmm. is significant, and yes. some of that is like, hey, I you know know your worth, me. Right? right? Know your worth and, yep. and, 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 and do your thing. So yes. I, I think that that is a positive that, that we'll probably see uh, play out over time. But there is this interesting gap between me as an individual working here today, right? What, what I need today and what organizations are doing systemically. So I don't want to say that some organizations aren't doing anything. They, they right. are. It's just whether or not oh, yeah. you can see it right away. So those relationships with HBCUs or whatever the organization is, some commitments to different social responsibility programs. Now, I will tell you, I was sitting in a program with uh, with the Forum on Workplace Inclusion, and it had this idea of decolonizing philanthropy. They always had these like 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 ooh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, kind of like woke or broke, right? Right. And but the idea was that the money that's coming into these programs isn't necessarily going towards the programs, yeah, where they need to, or being able to be spent in a way that is beneficial to that most group. beneficial, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, hey, we're going to give you a million dollars because that's what's in our budget. It's a line yeah. item. We're going to give you this, but you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do this. Yeah, with it. So right. that's that's a different conversation for a different day. But but let make make well great again. This is something that's been bugging me, uh, as I, especially as I watch politics and, and and things like that. You know, we see it a lot in Florida. The first time I saw woke show up in legislation was uh, Donald Trump's executive order that had to do with bias training. He wanted mm -hmm. to to no bias training. Right. There were some decent things in that order, but it said like. It said the word woke in oh, it. Right. It, woke originally meant along this emotional intelligence tip just to be aware, a be aware of mm -hmm. how systems work, politics yep. work, social issues, whatever. From that standpoint, Ron DeSantis, I hope we don't get banned for this, is probably the woke, one of the wokest people I've met because he's in tune with his voters and what's, what's important to their issues. Whether or not I agree with yep. that, not really. It, it doesn't match with the rest of, of what, what woke means. But I feel that because when I talked about these loudest voices in the room, that sometimes woke can shift to a place that's like that where I don't even want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to focus on a few things and I don't always have time to argue, you know, did they have enough different faces in that 10 second commercial? Mm -hmm. it, it, some of that stuff is just hard to do. And what I would like to do is bring back the positivity that was associated with yeah. woke and yeah. get back to the systemic awareness the structural issues, the political issues, how are you feeling today, Larry? You know, some of right. those things related to woke. So let's yeah. make woke great again. So and, and, on, and on that line of thinking, to me, it's about how people take words that and, and this was a word that was historically used in our culture. Right. This this originated from black culture, the word woke. 
And I think this is just another example of how certain people want to take the words that we use and weaponize them yeah. to be used against us, right? And what you're, what you're proposing is to take back that word and use it in a way that's positive. Now, take I know this is going to sound crazy when I say this, but to me, I think that when the other group is using that word woke, it's their 2023 version of the N-word. It is. I truly feel like every time they say it, it's their version of the N-word because they don't want to be ostracized by saying the N-word anymore. And they've struggled to find a word to replace the N-word. And woke is it. It is also way more inclusive than the N-word. So a lot of people that they are talking about woke has nothing. It's not me. (laughs) Exactly. It is is not me. It is. uh, Some of them are what we would call allies of of other ethnicities and colors and races like those allies. Um, But but it's also anything that's just not not normal. Here's here's why, you know, make woke great again is important to me. There was a, a point to when, you know, with the NFL, we were arguing about. Should you or should you not kneel during oh, the national anthem yeah. and the flag? And what happened? And it and it started to change how I felt. And I started talking to my friends. Somehow that flag, the American flag, was not mine anymore. Is and it? it's not because I'm not a patriot. It's not because my father right. wasn't a vet. My brother wasn't a vet. They they were right. It, it had nothing to do with that. It's the yeah. people that this is ours. And yeah. you don't you don't believe in it. And it, and it yeah. was it was a struggle to. Yeah. Work through that because, you know, you kind of go outside. It's like, I see the flag. Well, what right. kind of patriot are you? Right. And it's like <laughs> you know, you're what? punished for having a realistic uh, approach to saying that, yes, I can love something and chastise it at the same time. Yeah. I think of my children. I love them, but I can chastise them at the same time. Because if you're not doing right, I'm going to have to let you know that. Right? Yeah. So. Dr. Harry, we can talk about this, as you know, for hours upon hours. I do want to see from my colleagues if we have any other questions or comments in the chat. And if so, can we uh, throw that up on the screen? If not, Dr. Harry, this has been amazing. And I want to give you thank you. Interesting thought. The flag is theirs, not mine, Dr. Harry. Uh, Dr. Harry, I'm going to give you an opportunity to let folks know that, uh, how they can reach you, how they can get in contact with you. What do you have going on? You talked about your podcast, and I know I'm going to sneak on there, and we're going to raise some ruckus on there. But but tell folks a little bit about how to get in touch with you and some of the things you've got going on. The, the best place to get in touch with me right now is on LinkedIn. I'm trying to focus on LinkedIn. The specific reason for that is that I feel that all the decision makers are there. The mm. challenge is you might see me poking poking out to different people is that I'm trying to break out of, you know, the algorithm of just DEI health equity folks because I'm, I'm trying to do this cross-functional thing. So I, I mentioned before, um, you could look up equitycommunitiesofpractice.com. I'm building a virtual community where we're inviting cross uh cross-functional professionals from 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 different areas my podcast is actually dropping by and because i live in the country so some of y'all are seeing this right now as my as my my camera freezes we switched it to dropping by because i have no idea when my internet is going to be live so sometimes you know I'm, I'm just dropping it at the top of the hat but we do i do have a really cool project that's coming out and it, it like sometimes it still gets me a bit emotional when i when i talk about it i um it's it's called equity war and what it has to do is I had a, I had an interview with um, a health equity advocate for veterans. His name is Tim Hauser. He is the podcast host for the Gulf War Advocate. And it had to do with him and the work that he did, I'm going to say, as a normal person. Right. I, I watched him say, I have an idea. I think there's something wrong. Watched him end up joining with a group called Burn Pits 360, then getting engaged with Jon Stewart, fighting on the halls of Congress. You know, wow. I would turn on the TV and I would see there him and yeah. getting the PACT Act ca- passed, which is the largest health care bill for veterans passed in this 
country. And the reason why it's significant is that it was one it was one voice that became a few voices that, that then got the help that they needed. But what's so significant about this interview is that there's so many things about social determinants of health. Those are the things that make us who we are. Those are the things that... Um, you know, how we interact with, with life, how we decide to go to school or go to the military, all those things come out in the conversation with him. So we're releasing that in four different episodes. The first one's out right now has to do with the pack deck and, and how Tim became, you know, joined the army at the age of 17. But hopefully uh, we live in a click currency. We're really yeah. trying to get the information about the pack deck out. So if you see it, please tag a veteran in yeah. it. Uh, and pass it along. We really appreciate awesome. it. And, and thanks for that opportunity. Absolutely, Dr. Harry. I always appreciate and, and enjoy the conversations that we have. Um, so because I don't see any questions coming uh, from the background, uh, I am going to assume, and if that's not true, uh, someone on my team, let me know. Flag me and let me know. Uh, so I don't see anything. So Dr. Harry, this has been such a great conversation. Um, but the reality is it doesn't stop here. So we hope that you take the advice that was shared here and some of the questions that were asked back to your own workplaces. And if you want a partner in having these conversations, just let us know. You can contact LCW at languageandculture.com. Dr. Harry, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been Brave Conversations with LCW Live. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of Decoded. And to all of you who are listening, we want to know, what were your biggest takeaways from this conversation? What coded language do you want us to unpack for you next? Please share it with us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, or you can reach us at Language and Culture Worldwide or LCW. Until next time, I'm Larry Baker, and this has been Brave Conversations with LCW.